Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Rancid Taco Movie Review Podcast. I'm Skylar Sanders, here with my fellow vertically challenged co-host, Mason Weir. We are vertically challenged, as referenced by the title of this movie tonight. We are reviewing White Men Can't Jump, which came out in 1992 and got 77% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's a pretty good score, pretty good score for them, but uh, I found a lot of things I liked in this movie, and I found a lot of things that I questioned. I think this is one of those fun, nostalgic movies. It's not a great movie. It- yeah, no, it takes you back, and it uh, it's a feel-good summer type of movie, I feel like, and even though it's, you know, not to spoil alert, but it's not exactly a happy story. No, it's a, a bit of a tragedy, almost. Yeah. To compare it to a movie that we reviewed lately, it's like an adult version of The Sandlot, kind of. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. I would say that that, that rings true. But it, it just has this feel of cultural classic, you know? Not not just cult classic, but it's culturally like ingrained in, in American movie-making history for some reason. Yeah, in my mind, it's probably my favorite basketball movie. It's a sports movie, by the way. We're doing yet another sports movie. Yeah, this we is our keep first foray back. into the basketball world. We haven't done uh, Juana Man yet? No, we didn't do Juana Man, Blue Chips, Space Jam. Oof, uh, Blue Chips, though. That's good. Would you call basketball a basketball movie? I'd call it a basket- baseball slash basketball movie. <laughs> so that might be the best sports mashup movie there is out there. Yeah, and I don't even know how much about sports. It is making a statement on sports, but I don't know. Well, this one is only halfway a sports movie. The, the other half is a bit of a romance or a drama, I guess. I don't know. What would you, what would you call this one? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, it it is or it is a bit of both. Um, it's even comedic at times. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you. I don't know what what genre this falls into, really. Well, it does have some good comedy, and a large part of the comedy lands for me. Thanks to the cast that we've got here, and it is led by one of our old favorites, the Reggie Miller of acting, <laughs> Woody Harrelson. All right, well, I I would never agree to call him the Reggie Miller of acting, except in this movie, I think it makes sense. It does make sense, man. He's just, uh, he's a stud, and he's doing all his own stunts in this movie. Do you know that? Yeah, him and Wesley Snipes were both uh, actually playing basketball in this whole thing. According to something I read online, they just shot around or they played basketball for three to four hours a day and they just filmed all of it and then just used those clips to put together the basketball games that happened within the movie. Really? Yeah, their their shooting schedule was like nine to 12. They just practice and play hmm. against each other and they would film that and then the rest of the movie was the afternoon shoot. Well, I, I'm reading here on the uh, wiki page here that Bob Lanier, was, uh, the Detroit Piston and Milwaukee Buck player of Hall of Famer, was hired as the basketball coach for the film. Lanier was impressed with Harrelson and Snipes, suggesting both reach Division II college basketball skill level. So, oh. so both of these guys, by the end of their basketball training, could have played in Division II basketball in college. Yeah, I was impressed with Woody's basketball skills, considering – you know, the movie's called White Men Can't Jump, and Woody does not look like a baller, but he actually is. 
Yeah, he actually looks like he's pretty pretty. Him and Wesley both, even though I don't even know how many times I had to count when Wesley double dribbled, but or traveled. But yeah, he traveled. I'm glad you saw that too. He was traveling like crazy. A lot. Like, and there was one really obvious moment where he he dribbles over, picks up his dribble, fakes a pass, and then starts dribbling again. I'm like. Even on street ball, they're going to call that. Yeah, in street ball, even you're not getting away for away with that one. And they're playing for big money too. So it's come on, man. Yeah. Straighten up. Woody has a point when he says, "Just take the shot. Quit with the hot dogging." Yeah. Well, I mean, hot dogging is part of his game. That's what makes him him. Well, let's not spoil all the traveling and double dribbling that Wesley <laughs> Snipes does, because we're still on the cast here. So to get back to Woody. We remember him from Natural Born Killers. He was in our Planet of the Apes series. He features heavily in all of our award shows that he was in. Yeah. He, he won quite a few awards, even, I think, at our award shows. Even taking home some awards, I believe. Yeah, he won the, the Mighty Moisturizer twice, once from each of us. And he's even sexier in this movie, I think. Yeah, he's not, he's not even balding yet, which is weird. Weird to see Woody Harrelson with a full head of hair. He's young. He's got full head of hair. He's pretty thin. He's looking good in this one. Oh, and he's landed the hottest woman imaginable. Oh, yeah. She's she's a cutie, too. But I was looking. Apparently, this role could have gone to Keanu Reeves if he oh, had been yeah. better at basketball. Did you see that? I, why do I feel like every time we talk about a movie and the role could have gone to someone, it's Keanu Reeves? <laughs> he's not good enough to get there. I mean, we love these movies, but he's not the one to do these roles. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. This movie might suck if Keanu Reeves was was Billy instead oh, yeah. of Woody, Woody Harrelson. It, it might have sucked for sure. You know who else was supposedly going to be Billy here? Who? David Duchovny from the X-Files. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I am so glad they went with Woody Harrelson. And then Charlie Sheen was another one that they thought about. That would have been maybe okay, but it would have been too much like Major League. Yeah, that wouldn't have – that wouldn't have – Woody was the best choice. Woody was definitely the best choice. And to go along with Woody, the co-lead, welcome to the podcast, Wesley Snipes. Mm, yeah. And he was in Major League, which I just mentioned. I loved him in Major League, both Major League movies. I think Wesley Snipes is an underrated actor. I think he, I think he does a great job with almost everything he gets – I've never not liked Wesley Snipes, but I've only watched the movies where he's an action star or a sports star. So I don't really know if he's a good actor or not, but he, he kills it in these roles and any kind of role where he's showing his physicality because he's just ripped and very physical. He, he's a, he looks great, honestly. Oh, yeah, he's in tip-top shape. He's, uh, he's the Bruce Willis of black actors, you know? Yeah, yep. He gets those roles where he's got to be the tough alpha male guy and he plays it well yeah i wrote down a 90s acting icon because i watched a lot of wesley snipes movies the fan was another one i loved a lot which he he was a baseball player in that one. Oh yeah the fan i we should do that one that's a, that's a fun baseball movie yeah with robert yeah. de niro right Twi- twisted yeah yeah and blade he was in the blade series as well yeah as that a, was the, the first of the marvel movies it's blade marvel yeah I didn't know that. Did he make it into the new movies? No. No? So they just acted like Blade wasn't part of the the thing? Well, they haven't remade it. Uh, well, I've watched the Avengers, and you know they have literally hundreds of superheroes in that. No Blade, though, huh? Yeah, I'm sure they'll run out of superheroes soon and, and want to call back Blade. 
Well, I don't know a lot about Wesley Snipes' personal life, but didn't he go to jail for a while for, like, tax evasion? Yeah, he, he got a tax evasion charge and I think did some time in jail. Uh, you know, it's it got akin to Martha Stewart. Uh, him and her both were on the same charges, I guess. So it's a, it's a white-collar crime. Yeah, he took a shot and it didn't land and he did his time. But, you know, don't always give it up to Uncle Sam. If you want to take a shot, take a shot. Go ahead. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, who hasn't evaded some taxes here or there? <laughs> exactly. And speaking of taking a shot, I know you'd like to take a shot with this next actor. Oof. And that is the female lead, Rosie Perez. She plays Billy's girlfriend, Gloria. Maybe the love of my life. Listen, Rosie, if you're out there, you're listening, I, I, I'll still, I'm still available. I'll take you any day of the week, okay? She is still out there, I can tell you that, because she's still putting out acting performances. She was in Clifford the Big Red Dog most recently as a voice actor. I actually just watched a uh, binge watched a show on Netflix called Human Resources, which is like an offshoot of Big Mouth. I don't know if you've seen that. I have seen Big Mouth, yeah. So it's an offshoot of that, you know, the like the sex monsters that follow them around or whatever. Yeah. This is like all about them, and she plays an ambition gremlin. Gremlin, and she's uh, she does a really good job with that too. Well, she was also in in Living Color, which we brought up last week accidentally. And we we misplaced a song there. She was in Pineapple Express as a police officer. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen a lot of her other acting performances, but I'm with you, man. She is pretty spicy. Yeah. Anytime she gets in a role, I'm just like drawn to her. Yeah. And then the last cast member I wrote down here was Tyra Farrell. She plays the wife of Sydney, which is Wesley Snipes' character. She was in Jeffrey Dahmer's favorite movie of all time, The Exorcist 3. It's strange that you know that, but okay. Yeah, well, it is. I mean, it's one of his favorite. It inspired his killings. Oh, well, good good on her then. So good to know that she had a hand in that. <laughs> uh, other than that, she was only in a bunch of made-for-TV movies, so I don't... Well, I, I never, I, I've never inspired any serial killers, but if I did, I, could, I would damn sure mention it. Yeah. I didn't think she was very good in this, and I only actually mentioned her because the role could have gone to Halle Berry or Angela Bassett, both mm. awesome actresses, and uh, I wasn't a big fan of Tyra Farrell. She wasn't horrible, but she was clearly the worst of the of the foursome there. Oh, I thought she did a great job. I thought she was fine. I, 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 I think both of those other actresses could have pulled off a great job with it because they're both really good. She's the least known out of those three, I would say, but she uh, she plays her role well, and she nails it. I think. Oh, I thought the other three were kind of fun and quirky and wow, you know, they, cartoony almost, and, and they, she was more serious and dramatic. They play a little bit larger role in the whole thing, so she doesn't have as big of a role as the other three. But yeah, she. I think she, I think for her part, she did fine. All right. Well, you're allowed to be wrong once per podcast, and yeah, might, and we'll, might as well, well get it out of the way early. We'll count this as your one wrong then. <laughs> No, I was referring to you being wrong. Oh, oh, okay, sorry. Silly me. I'm not going to die on the hill of Tyra Farrell. So if you want to say she did a great job, that's fine. Well, she did. She did. You, you wouldn't. I wouldn't die on that hill. Yeah, you're right. I, you I wouldn't, wouldn't. And I won't. You wouldn't stick up for Tyra Farrell, you son of a bitch. Nope. And I'm also not going to stick up for the substandard NBA players that had cameo roles in this movie. I don't even know who these guys are. Yeah, Gary Payton. Who the hell is that? No, 
that's I saw that Gary Payton was in this, but I didn't see him in the movie. <laughs> I was about to say I saw he was in it, but I didn't see he was in it. So you didn't see him either? No. And he's not on the cast page either. That might be a myth. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like when he would have been in it. And also at it was nineteen ninety what? Ninety two? Ninety two. So was he in the middle of his NBA career at this point? Yeah, because he was on the Sonics when they went to the finals in ninety five. So he would have been in the league. He would have yeah. been probably pretty good. Oh, the glove was a was a monster on the court. Oh, I love the glove, but I'm not sure he was in the movie. He got an uncredited appearance. Well, if it's uncredited and we didn't see him, I'm not saying that he was there. Yeah, he's there somewhere. We'll find him. Well, the ones that are there that we did see were players like Marcus Johnson, who had a long career, but I don't really remember him. Uh, Freeman Williams was another one. And then Nigel Miguel. All played in the NBA, but I didn't recognize any of them. No. Uh-uh. Maybe before our time, or maybe they just weren't big-time players. Yeah, I kept looking, and I'm pretty sure that they were they were before our time. Like Freeman Williams, who plays Duck Johnson, uh, played in, from 78 to 86. So his last year was when we were one. <laughs> and it sounds like he wasn't great in the NBA, so I don't think we're going to be catching a whole lot of his highlights. It would have been cool if in the final game they would have had some big boss NBA player as, like, the final guy. Yeah. Like Matumbo or, well, or it, somebody. Maybe. Maybe it would have been cheesy, though. I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, the movie's kind of cheesy as it is, so they could have just gone all into it. But, yeah, yeah. you're right. Maybe uh, it worked out the way they did it, kind of. Yeah. But that does it for the cast. Did you want to bring up anyone else, or is there anyone else? No, I was waiting for this moment to bring up Gary Payton, but we've already gone through it. Yeah, we went through it. Gary Payton. It's a myth that he's there, or we he's a unicorn in this movie. Gary Payton was there, quote unquote. Yeah, supposedly Gary Payton was there. With that out of the way, we can get our hustle on and take to the streets for a little b-ball. Yeah, gonna prove we can't jump. Let's prove it. We can't jump. We're not even trying to disprove it. Let's just prove the fact we can't jump. Can't do it. And we meet the protagonist here at the beginning of the movie and that is white boy billy that's woody harrelson's character so he's hanging out in la here walking down the street there's some street musicians playing some beatbox music and he donates a dollar and then lays <laughs> back and and plays on his head there was that beatboxing because it, it sounds like maybe like an acapella singing group what's the word i'm looking for not beatboxing but when you make the noises with your mouth acapella they were just singing acapella yeah well i kind of liked it and woody liked it too he did a funny little dance there when when they were doing that oh yeah they were great but the point of the scene was to introduce us to woody but also to say that there are two men that run these courts and they're legendary i forget their names but maybe it was duck or something like that yeah duck and the king duck and the king so they're these legendary street basketball players and Street basketball on a competitive level is a pretty important thing in the city here. Yeah, this was back before people had smartphones and other stuff to look at. They had to go out and just, you know, do stuff. Play basketball. Yeah. So then we cut to the actual basketball courts. And it's here that we meet Sidney Dean. And that is Wesley Snipes' character. He's awesome in this opening scene here. He's just clowning on these guys that are trying to play basketball with him. And it's those great 90s insults that you never hear anymore. Oh, your mama jokes just come flying from everywhere. Yeah, your mama. I'm 
I'm gonna I'm fitting to dog you, boy. Someone he says to yeah. someone else, fitting to dog you. No one says I'm gonna dog you anymore. Yeah, it's, uh, says one of them says your mom your mom your mama's teeth are so yellow she can butter bread. She was kicking a can down the street, and I asked her what she was doing, and she said moving. Yeah, <laughs> we need more good your mama jokes. Those got to come back. I agree. Yo mama jokes are pretty funny. And if you can come up with an original one, then more, more power to you. They're jokes that always land with me. Good, yeah. good yo mama jokes. Yeah. Hard to come up with the original though. I'm, I'm going to think of one. I'm going to, I'm going to burn your mama later. Apparently the yo mama jokes were a challenge among the cast members. They all tried to out yo mama each other. Oh, that makes sense around that time. Hell yeah. They would just come in with cue cards every day and written down their own yo mama joke and they would spit them out there. Oh, yeah. But Sidney in particular, a big part of his game, he's really good at basketball. You can see in this opening scene. But a big part of his game is the flash and the sizzle and the trash talk, which back then, more so than now, this was considered outlandish. It was like the Deion Sanders thing. There were players and then there were cocky players, you know. Well, there's a theme. There's a theme running throughout this film that talks about white men would rather win the game and look bad. Black men would rather look good and lose the game. And I think that was maybe, maybe a mindset of white people watching basketball at that time, because basketball was starting to get flashier and flashier and players were starting to do things that, you know, were, could have been considered showboating or something like that. But it turns out that that's, that's the game we have now where players, you know, do these amazing things and, it's just yeah. it's just become part of the game. Not only has it become part of the game, but the evolution of what they called showboating has turned into some of the best basketball you can see. Even slamming home a dunk within a game was considered showboating in a way back then. It's like, why not just take the layup instead of dunking? And they even kind of touch on that in this movie. Yeah. But imagine, you know, a guy like Vince Carter with his dunks, how electrifying he was when we were growing up. If he didn't exist well yeah it's just it's just to say like a slam dunk is as just a, as probably more of a high percentage than a than a layup so why not throw throw it down if you can do it yeah why not throw it down every time yeah gets the crowd pumped up get your team pumped up it's uh it's a good play but this this um illuminates or, or shows the difference between the way white people look to basketball and the way black people look to basketball and you know it's safe to say looking at it from history now we can say that the black people <laughs> their style of basketball reigns supreme yeah well this movie does it's centered around the uh, contrast between the two styles that they have but yeah. at the end of the day when you're watching these basketball scenes billy and sydney when they're on the same team basically have the same exact skill set yeah pretty much yeah for the most part they're they're definitely both both uh good uh, finesse ballers and, and play well together. And also I'd like to commend this movie for the fact that with the title, like white men can't jump. And the fact that it's based around racial differences, this movie's not canceled here yet in, in 2022 or whatever year it is now. Yeah. Well, and upon rewatch, there's no reason it should be. It's, exactly. It's... There's no re they, they took a very uncomfortable topic and made it very comfortable and easy to watch and, it's yeah. not awkward or strange at any moment, I don't think. And in fact, I think it does the opposite. It brings the two sides together with their thoughts. Yep. Yeah, so props to the movie for that. 
It yeah. does stand the test of time. I think so too. But anyway, in this opening scene for Sydney, he's balling around. He's clowning on some of his buddies. One of the things he does is he goes over to Billy, who's the goofiest guy in the to crowd. ask him to ask him the score. He says, "Yeah, what's the score?" And and Billy kind of mouths off to the guy. Well, now, yeah, he call he calls him a chump, and Billy says, "My name's not Chump, it's Billy." And then he proceeds to they proceed to have an interaction where Wesley Snipes' character Sydney is is talking trash to him, basically being like, "You're too stupid to know when you're being made fun of," stuff like that. Which leads to Billy playing in the game that's going on. So Billy joins the opposing team, and he defeats Sydney and his team. Sydney can't accept this loss, so he challenges Billy now to a shooting contest, like a three-point contest. Yeah. And this takes up about 15 or 20 minutes of the movie. And I'm not going to go blow for blow on the dialogue here, but some of the dialogue that they're saying here is just so funny and clever. Mm -hmm. I really like the trash talking they're doing and all this, but it ends in the the three-point contest. Billy defeats Sydney, and he's effectively hustled Sydney out of his money. Yeah, and he and he keeps saying, "Man, I'm lucky today. I don't know. I keep getting lucky. I, I've never made three in a row." So you can tell he's a hustler, and uh, Sydney's also a hustler too. So he kind of picks up on it by the end of it, I think. But you know, we're meant to believe that that uh, Billy has now hustled Sydney out of his cash. Yeah, I think he gets him for sixty-two dollars or something like that. Yeah, there's a lot of money changing hands in basketball tournaments and basketball games in this movie i never realized there was such a big underground basketball you know money changing hands on these basketball games but i'm sure this is a real thing out on in uh, certain cities i'm sure yeah, i'm sure it goes down uh i don't know how how often it happens like this is like they're meeting out there every day like their job is to go hustle people and play basketball yeah that's pretty wild to think you can actually make a living by hustling people on the basketball court eventually you would surely be found out that you're good and no one will play you anymore. I would think. Yeah, you would think so. But LA is a big city. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. And how big is it? Real big. Well, we'll get into how big it is and who else lives there. <laughs> being <laughs> that being Gloria. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. After the break. <laughs> You shall not pass without sending us an email at rancidtacopodcast at gmail.com or check us out at our Twitter handle at rancidmovie. So, having effectively hustled Sydney, Billy now goes home to his apartment where his girlfriend, Gloria, is waiting for him. She spends the daytime sitting around in her pajamas, apparently, studying the dictionary or the thesaurus. Yeah, and she believes that it's her destiny that she's going to be on Jeopardy one day, so she's got to stuff her head with (laughs) with the most random facts ever. She's also a closet alcoholic right did you pick up on that yeah yeah she's like taking a shot there and he's like or he says what's this and she goes over and takes another shot when he's in the bathroom it's like 
She's she's trying to hide her drinking, but it never really comes back into play. No, it never goes anywhere. She drinks again later on too, whenever she's offered coffee. But her alcoholism never goes anywhere. But when you think about her daily routine, it's like wake up, read the thesaurus, and drink rum or vodka or whatever. Yeah. She's probably uh, not the ideal partner for Billy. And Billy himself is, we'll come to find out, a very unstable partner. No, they both have their issues. And uh, she's excited because he's come back and he's, he's won $62 and she can add it to the pot of money. And they're trying to pay back some gangsters that they owe money. Yeah, it's revealed that they do owe money to some gangsters. We later find out why. And I'll just say now what it is because I didn't write it down when it happens but Hmm. what happened is billy was supposed to lose a basketball game intentionally he was paid by these gangsters to lose and his pride got in the way at the last moment and he instead won the basketball game costing these gangsters i think it was eight thousand dollars yeah something like that so now they want the eight thousand from billy and and he and gloria are trying to collect the money to pay them back yeah and so that's why they're saving money and that's why they're so happy to have the 62 dollars he jumps in the shower and they prepare to have a little steamy sex there oh yeah but sydney shows up at the house and cock blocks him yeah and he kind of just walks right in and makes himself at home and they think it's the gangster showing up so she's like in the bathroom getting dressed and getting ready to roll out and he's like, if I don't come back in 30 seconds, run. And so they're talking in there and she comes out and immediately pulls a gun on him. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of random gun pulling in this movie that really has no oh. meaning behind it. No one's ever in danger, but everyone gets a gun pulled on them several times. Yeah, apparently everybody in the 90s had a gun. Yep. But Sydney puts all his cards on the table. He says, I'm a hustler. And just looking at your goofy white ass, I can tell that I can use you to hustle too because I know you're actually good. And he Mm -hmm. wants to partner up with Billy and take to the streets and work together to make some money. Yeah, and they form a pretty effective combo because it it seems like every every time that he says, yeah, you can pick whoever player I want, they're like, yeah, give take the white guy. Oh, yeah, that's their scheme is Sydney goes and talks trash. He gets everyone all riled up against him. And he says, I'm so good. You can pick anyone on this court and I'll take him as my partner. And Billy, you think he's dressed like that because he's supposed to look dorky or was that the style in the nineties, the way he's dressed? No, I think that's just his style. Yeah. But so he always dresses, he looks nerdy and it's not part of his hustle. You think that's just how he looks? Yeah. I mean, I don't know that it's nerdy. It's just like, you know, yeah. I, I, I guess I don't know. He's wearing like tennis shoes and whatever, and a sweater or whatever shirt. And he calls backwards... himself goofy, and they call him raggedy and stuff. So I, they're definitely commenting on his dress and his attire. Yeah, I mean, he has a tie-dyed baseball hat, so like he looks, he looks white as hell. That's the thing. Yeah, he looks like someone who would not be good at basketball, and so that's the hustle. And Raymond is this man that they're playing against. He's a very violent basketball player i guess he was just released from prison so to put up the money to go against sydney and billy raymond goes and robs a convenience store (laughs) and of course the convenient guy knows it's him and says raymond take off that mask i know it's you he says yeah raymond i know that's you under there he's like in fact 
if you need money, I'll buy that gun off you. And he gives him $200. And so they, they put up the $200 against like $500 of Sydney and Billy. So if these guys are hustlers, that is the worst mathematical way <laughs> to do business ever. It doesn't matter how good you are. You never take those odds. Yeah, yeah. It's like you either come up with the money or we go down to your 250 and we, we play with our 250 and you got an extra 250 in your pocket. Yeah, you're not going to play 500 against 250, but they do this more than once in the movie. Oh, yeah. They're willing to just put it all up for a little bit of game. So this is our first real basketball in-game scene. And Billy and Sydney dominate. They they kick the butts of Raymond and this other guy. So after getting beat, Raymond pulls a knife out and he threatens to stab everybody. And then he later says he's going to go get another gun out of his car. So everyone dips out of the courts. Raymond, a complete psychopath there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, by the end of it, we also, they realize that the two are hustling them. And he says, Wait, what are you doing? Uh, um, what's his name? Um, Billy says, what are you doing uh, uh, negotiating with a guy with a knife? You got a family and kids. He's like, how do you know I got a family and kids? Yeah, don't talk about my family. Cut this guy. <laughs> oh, that's right. Billy kind of lets the bean slip that he already knew about Sydney and his home life and everything. <laughs> yeah, so like, but then when he goes to run to get his gun, everybody takes off and gets away scot-free. Yep. And Sydney and Billy get in. Billy's car and since you're the car expert on the show here what kind of car is that he's driving I don't know that I'm a car expert but it's a convertible um but it's like a schlocky convertible so it's it's not real nice well last week you were you knew the exact year and make and model of the car that Baba was driving and the kite wow. well, that's because I have an affinity for Mustangs from the 69 70 era so this isn't a 70 Mustang, huh? No, definitely not. It's a, it's a junker that's also a convertible, which is kind of cool. It's a, it's not a complete junker. It's it's a convertible, but it's uh it's pretty beat up. Well, they are driving home now the two of them, and they discuss Jimi Hendrix. And I think I've put it together. I think Woody Harrelson is a huge Jimi Hendrix fan in real life. Why do you think that? Well, do you remember in War of the Planet of the Apes, the only song that they have in that movie is Hey Joe by Jimi Hendrix in the scene where mm. the colonel was getting ready to meet Caesar for the first time. Well, that's possible. I mean, I don't know. Uh, and then they mentioned he, Jimmy in this one, too. He, it's the he same guy. He definitely looks like a guy that would be a Jimi Hendrix fan. What if it's all the same guy? What if Billy later becomes <laughs> Mickey from Natural Born Killers? And then he later becomes the colonel from War for the Planet of the Apes. It's all the same time. Yeah, I think that's the only thing that makes sense here is that he evolved into that person who eventually became a a post-apocalyptic general. Not to spoil this movie, but after what happens to him in this movie, he goes to someone a little crazier with Mallory. And then (laughs) he full-on loses it in the war. Oh, shit, man. Yeah, it's all clicking now. It's yeah, all coming I, together. Oh, I had no it, it idea. So much. I'm glad you linked that up for me because I never thought of it like that. But it's definitely the evolution of Woody. It's all the same multiverse here with the Woody, <laughs> the Woody multiverse. <laughs> oh God. Anyway, they do talk about Jimi Hendrix, and they say that white people can't hear Jimmy. You can listen to Jimmy, but you can't hear Jimmy. Yeah, and of course his rebuttal is, "What are you talking about? His band members were all white. They're like, he look, he's got a white drummer, and he shows him a picture of the cover album, and he's like, yeah, it's look, everybody in the band was white except for Jimmy.' 
Yeah, and I side with Billy on this one. I think music is for all people of all races. I don't think you have to be of any race to appreciate a certain kind of music. That should be well, obvious. Well, sure. You, yeah, you, you like what you like. But this is this is a, a white guy and a black guy that are going back and forth, uh, you know, culturally discussing their differences. And that's the point of the scene, which is which is pretty interesting, too, because they do it in a way that's not just like they're they're It's friendly the way that they're doing. Yeah, it's endearing the conversation rather than confrontational. It, it is friendly. Yeah, it's like me walking up and talking to somebody about a rapper that I might know about. And they're like, what do you know about this rapper? And I'm like, well, I, I listen to rap. I like rap. You know, it's not like I don't hear it. Well, they drop off Sydney at his house at the Trump Towers, I think is what he calls them. He calls it the Trump Towers, but it's not. It's clearly not. And then it's now Gloria and Billy in the car. And Gloria hops on top of Billy mid mid-drive yeah. here man that's hot dirty girl dirty dirty girl she's really pleased because he made some money because i think their relationship they they claim to love each other but it's a pretty shallow relationship it's pretty transactional it's like what did you do for me today yeah did you make me money i'm turned on by that if you did if you didn't i'm leaving your ass and yeah. that's there's if no you, if you didn't do it then billy you're so stupid what are you yeah. doing <laughs> yep but he's not stupid just yet. He is. Uh, he's in the good side with with uh, Gloria right now, and they go home and bang. Fools to start with a little cute Billy. What'd you think of the sex scene we got here? Oh, I was extremely aroused by the sex scene. If this was, if I was watching this when I was 15 years old, I would have paused it and just jerked it till it was raw. Yeah, I liked it because it was classy enough that. They didn't show the nipple, but they showed almost the full boob. So you could show this on TV and get away with it. Oh, yeah. And there's one point she's riding him on the side of the bed. And you see that beautiful fold between her thigh and her butt. And you're just like, oh, my God, Rosie, you dirty girl. Yeah, classy and sexy. They did a a great job with the sex scenes on this. Mm -hmm. But she does get pissed off after sex because he brings her a glass of water. And she says... She doesn't want a glass of water. Despite her complaining her mouth is dry, she instead wants him to sympathize with her. Yeah, she's on some real bullshit here. It's like, <laughs> I mean, I get what she's saying. Like, I don't, when I say I want a glass of water, I don't want a glass of water. I want you to sympathize with me and tell me that I too thirst for the taste of water. It's one of those things that I'll, I'll never understand. It's, it's the beauties and mysteries of, of women i guess it's like, yeah it's, i don't get that one it's the difference of thought between men and women because she says she's thirsty he's like all right i'm gonna go get her a glass of water and bring it to her and when he does exactly what she you know pretty much let on that she wanted to do she says that's not what i wanted i wanted you to connect with me i wanted you to empathize with me and feel for me and it's like oh man like yes i i get it you're thirsty i too have been thirsty but you said you wanted water, and I got you water. Like, what do you want? Yeah, if I'm Ro- if I'm Gloria in this spot, I want someone to bring me water 100 times out of 100. The last thing I want is someone saying, I know how it feels to be thirsty. It's like, no, I want yeah. the water. I'm thirsty. I know what it's like to be thirsty, too. Now fucking dry up. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't get that one, and it sounds like we never well, will. I don't yeah, the, what she's meaning is she just wants him to to be a deeper, more understanding partner. And that's kind of what the idea that we're meant to, to get here. But 
wow. It's, it's such a frustrating thing to be the person that's like, Oh, let me walk a hundred miles in the desert, go get you the water and bring it back only for you to say, I didn't actually want water. I'm going to go ahead and say, I think she's three sheets to the wind here. And I think she's just (laughs) full of, I don't think she even knows what she's saying. Maybe. I mean, we know she's a drinker. She could be drunk again or she's hung over or whatever. I don't know. But uh, he gets her the water. It's a noble act, you know. Yep. And then she makes him pay for it. Yeah, it does. It does lead to a fight. And he ends up leaving pissed off. But as he's leaving, he encounters the dangerous Stooky brothers. They're Stooky. Is that what, what their name was? Stookies, yeah, I think it was Stookies. The Stooky brothers. They're the gangsters that are after him. They're waiting outside for him, so he runs back in, and they both leave in a rush out the back door. Yeah, and uh, it's it's funny because they like grab all their stuff they can carry and take off and leave the car there and just run to another hotel. And then I'm wondering who went back for the car. Who? I, what? How did they? Uh, okay, I'll just swallow this pill and take it and go there are quite a lot of plot holes and weird discrepancies when it comes to these gangsters and and the scenes involving the gangsters but it all makes sense in the end when we'll, we'll get to it later on does it it did to me yeah the, <laughs> okay i can't might... say without spoiling it but it does make sense later you might have to explain it to me then well the car thing didn't really make sense but but yeah <laughs> we'll get back to it yeah but for now, we'll go back to Sydney, and he is looking to buy a house for his family. He's got a wife and at least one kid. I don't know if they show any other kids than that. Yeah. But he's got money problems. He's constantly fighting against the idea of his wife taking a job, and he thinks that he can hustle and do construction work to make enough money for the family. And what a luxury to not be able to send your wife to work. Now every wife works. Yeah, everyone got to work in in today's world. But the way he's working and making money is playing basketball. He also does other stuff like he's a construction worker and a tile business guy. Like He's got a lot of side hustles going, but obviously he loves to play basketball. Yeah, that's his favorite hustle is the basketball hustle. So they go to the Watts is the name of the court. They go there for the same kind of thing that they did last time, though the game is supposed to be tougher with a bigger buy-in. Only this time, they lose the game, and it's mostly due to a bad game from Sydney. Yeah, and you can just tell he's not having a good game, and he looks pretty earnest in the fact that he says, sorry, man, I, I just had a bad game or, or whatever. And, <clears throat> and Billy's pissed off because – He's just bet all of his money, everything he had, pretty much on that game and lose. Seven seventeen hundred dollars, yeah, and they lost it all. Yeah. And I think this was another instance where the other team didn't have seventeen hundred. I think they put up more than they stood to win. Yeah, which is like just put up the amount that the other team's putting up. Yeah, that's if these guys are hustlers again, that's just not how you hustle. That's that's the exact opposite of a hustle. Just You're, a bad idea. It is a bad idea. So he goes home now, Billy. He goes home dejected, back to Gloria. But she, as a Jeopardy genius, immediately recognizes that Billy was hustled by Sydney, And Sydney intentionally threw the game and is actually working for the other guys. Yeah, and she says, oh, my God, you got hustled by Sydney." He's like, no, no, he, he refuses to believe it. 
but she's uh she's a wily Puerto Rican girl and she she figures it out quick and she says, Come on, we're going to get your money back. And he's like, That's not what you do. You can't do that and whatever. And she pretty much forces him to just get on the bus and go back and, and go to Sydney's house. Yeah, he's complaining about it the whole time, but he does drag along behind her as she goes to Sydney's house. And this is I mean, how embarrassing would this be if you're if you're Billy, it's almost like, man, I cannot yeah. show up there and ask for this money back. Yeah, that's why even if he did get hustled, now he's embarrassed because he has to show up and admit he got hustled. It's a lose-lose for him. And at the house, I think we've already met her earlier, but this is the one of the more memorable scenes of Rhonda. Was that her name? Uh, Tyra Farrell. Yeah, Rhonda. Rhonda. This is Sydney's wife. She answers the door, and the two women kind of have a back and forth. They agree to go into the kitchen and talk, and Billy comes in, and he sees Sydney sitting there watching basketball with their last couple of opponents. They're eating some snacks and apparently cleaning some handguns for some reason. Yeah, well, they're just showing that they live in a dangerous part of the neighborhood, and uh, and <clears throat> they they he has no qualms about hustling uh billy so he he says yeah you got hustled you hustled me first now i hustle you yeah but this one is a i mean when it comes to brass tacks of it this one's a dirty hustle yeah well that's what billy's case is billy's saying listen there's there's honor among thieves essentially he's saying like you you're not supposed to hustle a person that you're hustling with and i would agree with that that's that's a backstab what billy did to sydney still came down to a skills competition. You know, he allowed himself to be underestimated. In this case, you're trusting someone who just kind of turns on you. Well, I can get behind that because in this case, Sydney threw the game. Yeah, if you throw the game, your teammate doesn't even know about it. That's pretty dirty. It's low down. It's low. But the cleaning the gun thing was weird because the guy, it's already shown that Sydney has kids and he's got a family, but one of his friends is just sitting there in the living room eating some popcorn and cleaning a pistol. <laughs> yeah, it's the 90s. Everybody had a pistol, you know? Like, gang violence was high. Uh, they live in, in uh, the hood area. So, like, you know, you got to be strapped at all times. Yeah. Well, the guy is strapped, and that's kind of good. He pulls the gun on Billy later on. But, again, you, never, you know Billy's never in any danger. That's the that's the interesting part is that there's guns in all these scenes, but you never feel like anyone's going to get shot. But the women are in the kitchen, and they're somewhat confrontational because Rhonda says, I'm not giving you the money back no matter what. Now, we might be able to work something else out in the future, but the money's ours now. And yeah. Gloria has a hard time accepting that. It's here that she chooses to drink some vodka, it looks like, or rum or something, as opposed to coffee, so... That under-the-surface alcoholism is still there for Gloria. It's not <laughs> it's, gone yet. It's still there, but it never plays a role. Never plays a role, but we see it happening. But the two do agree that they both have money problems, and the best way for them to get out of their situations is for the two men to work together and to continue to hustle. So their differences are resolved there in one day, it looks like. Well, and there's specifically a tournament coming up that's offering five grand to the winner. So they're like, you're going to play in this game and you're going to win and you're both going to make 2500 each, which isn't even really a dent in uh, Billy's and Billy and Gloria's debt to the uh, to the 
Stooky brothers or whatever. No, it's not even a third of their debt, but it is a big start, I guess, a nice chunk. Yeah. If Billy could just keep from gambling everything all at once, all the time. <laughs> yeah, 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 he's he's all or nothing. He's in or out. This guy can't even walk down the street without losing his bankroll. It's like he walks a block and he bets on anything. I mean, he just he's a totally compulsive and impulsive gambler. Yeah, he's got the real issue. He's bad with money, and she says something to that effect later, but uh, he, he just can't keep from losing money. He's not a bad guy. He's just bad with money. Yeah, that's what she says. Yeah. There. But they do agree that they're going to be on the team together, and so their little dispute only lasted a day, and now everything's back to being good. Billy and Sydney back on the team again. Yep, back at it again, and they're facing off in a – Corporate-sponsored basketball tournament. So the two-on-two brotherhood tournament now starts. And this is the tournament we talked about that has official corporate sponsors and is for a a lot of money. So this is the one that Sydney and Billy got to win. Sponsored by the Coalition of American Corporations. (laughs) I like that. What are these American corporations and who are they and... uh... Why have they gotten into basketball in the inner city? And why are they sending representatives that are clearly people not interested in street basketball in the least to represent them at these games? Now, yeah, they send the whitest people possible. Wearing, like, button-up suits and bow ties and stuff. Yeah. It's uh, it's more, I guess it's more to just um, accentuate the difference between the white and the black world, maybe. I don't know. But Sydney here introduces Billy to some of their opponents. He thinks that everyone will be an easy matchup until he gets to a couple guys at the end that he thinks they'll be meeting in the finals. And Billy here starts some strategic trash talk. What do you think? Does trash talk before a game fire up the other team and make them want to play better, or does it get in their head and, and affect their game and make them play worse? Well, it depends on what sport you're talking about because in football, I think it's a bad idea because you don't want to give a team extra incentive to come out and hit harder. But in basketball, it's you got to be a little bit more controlled, a little bit more in control of what you're doing. And I think in basketball, it works much better. So you think by getting under their skin, they're, he's throwing them off their game. Yeah, yeah. It's like Muhammad Ali used to come out and just – completely chalk all this trash to his opponents and get them mad because in boxing when you come out and fight mad you fight sloppy and you don't fight the game that you're planning to fight you just you do crazy stuff so it's a strategic move in that sense but uh it's a questionable decision on his part either way that's what i like about baseball is if you talk trash in baseball odds are you're getting a fastball in the ribs so Probably, so, yeah, yeah. So you could talk trash, but it it might have a very small competitive advantage in the sense that you'll get a free base, but you're going to pay the price for that Yeah, one. you're going to pay for it, and you're not going to like it. But I'm with you. I think it does work in basketball, and I think it works for Billy. Sydney presents the other side of the argument. He says, we don't want these guys mad. They're already good enough. But Billy keeps saying, I'm in a zone. I'm in a zone. I don't think that's what in the zone actually really means, though, does it? Well, I mean, they play great. They do a good job. So he's not exactly wrong by the end of this, but yeah, I don't know. He's saying he's in the zone like his trash talking game is in the zone. I guess so. I mean, you know what? He's just doing what what Sydney does all the time. So I don't know that it's wrong. Yeah, I didn't think it was wrong either. 
but they do win the game. They beat these two guys, and the in the zone thing actually caught on. I think Nike caught on to that and used it as their slogan for a few years after this. Really? You think it was from this? I think it. Yeah, I think it was from this movie. Maybe. But in the zone is a real thing. I've been in the zone before, and so have you. So <laughs> that's a real thing, right? Oh yeah, you get in the zone, you just start doing. You know, it feels like you're just doing whatever you want to do out there. And that's not just in sports. That could apply to any aspect of your life. But if you're doing something that has different degrees of quality and you get in the zone where you are always at top quality for a certain period of time, yeah, it just it's, means it's inexplicable, but it's a real thing. Yeah, it just means you're locked in and you're, you're, you can't do no wrong. You're feeling it. Yep. It's like that day I went hypersonic on everybody at, at the basketball courts. And yeah. Well, I couldn't miss yeah. a shot. That's what I was going to say. It's like, um, it's like, I don't know what, what it's like outside of sports, but it's just the feeling of whatever I do is working out right. And it seems to keep working. You're just playing, you're just doing really well. Well, like say if you're writing a book and maybe you're struggling to get through a chapter here or there, you're struggling with writer's block, but then you, you break the block and then you're in the zone and you're just, yeah. You know, all of a sudden, out page after yeah, page. all of a sudden everything you're writing is just working, working, working. You're just like, yeah, yeah, right. I'm in the zone. Yeah, I don't want to take a break right now. I'm in the zone. Yeah. But here, he's trash-talking, and that means he's in the zone. And it works. They do win the game. Uh, good job. But, unfortunately... Oh, good job. It is a bit dampened. So they've got the 5000 2500 apiece. But in the winning basket, Sydney had thrown this pass to Billy, which he expected Billy to dunk. And Billy instead laid it up. So then Sydney's giving him crap. He's like, hey, why didn't you dunk that? Which leads to Billy saying, you know, I can dunk a basketball. And Sydney, for his part, he really doesn't want to bet him that he yeah. can't dunk it. But Billy insists. That's the most tragic part is that he doesn't even want to take his money and Billy just gives it to him. Yeah, it's a sickness on Billy's part at this point because they could even make a gentleman's wager of $10 or $20. But he insists on betting his entire half of the five thousand. Yeah, and they pull over to some side court on the in the middle of nowhere, and he's like, "All right, here you go." And of course, he's talking trash to him the whole time, or whatever, saying, "Here, I know what you need. Let me help you up." And he gives offers him like a booster, or whatever. And and yeah, Billy's just not even close, really. Nope. And this is where the title of the movie comes from. He says, "Billy." I hate to be the one to tell you this, but the fact of the matter is white men can't jump. And that's, that's where it caught on. That's, that's the title. Yeah, that's the title. And then that's this where we hear it. But the most tragic part is he should be celebrating with all this extra money he won. And now he's just giving it all to Sydney. Yep. He's lost everything to Sydney. It's hard to really feel sorry for Billy here because this is a completely self-inflicted wound. He didn't need to do this at all. No, no, not a bit. And he's the one that keeps bringing it up. Like Sydney's not doing, not bringing it up. He's bringing it up. He says, Sydney says at one point, I just said that to get under your skin. You know, uh, I, I don't mean anything by it. And he's like, I can do it. I can, ju- I can dunk. And he obviously can't. No, he obviously cannot do it. And he's not that bright either. Because he gets home, and Gloria is happy. You know, she knows that they won. She's got dinner ready for him, and she's ready to have sex <laughs> if, with him again. By dinner, you mean a box of pizza, but yeah, yeah. 
Well, it's still dairy. It's candlelit, uh, so it's nice. Well, she's no homemaker. You know, she's a Jeopardy star. That's her destiny, not to cook. <laughs> <laughs> but she's, she gets on to him again like she's about to have sex with him. And instead of telling her after sex that he lost all the money, he yeah. tells her before sex and then doesn't get the sex. Horrible timing on Billy's part. He should have just withheld that information. Yeah, just hold it in for another 20 minutes, man. Get your thing, you know, get your last hurrah, and then let her break up with you for losing the money. Exactly. But he doesn't wait. He tells her. She gets pissed off. She breaks up with him, storms out of the house. He goes to chase after her, but he had she had laid some candles down for a candlelit pizza dinner. Yeah. And, and the candles fall down, and they catch the apartment on fire. She runs out to the street and tries to hitch a ride while he's dealing with the fire. And this trucker pulls over. She looks like a total prostitute right here, right? Well, I mean, she's a woman trying to get a ride, but the guy pulls up and is like, yeah, get in, honey. Come on in, honey. And she throws it in the back. If I was her, I'd have never got into that truck. Yeah, we see her later and she's totally fine. But what do you think happened the rest of that night for Gloria? How do you think the rest of her evening went? I imagine it was awkward with that with that driver. Yeah, because he, he he obviously wanted something sexually from her. Yeah, did she did she give him something sexual as a favor, or did well, she just dip out? No, I don't think so. I think she's got more morals than that. She proves time and time again that she's like got a deep thinking moral sense of who she is, and I think she probably just she might have let him on a bit and then got out somewhere. Uh, I think you're giving her a lot of credit, man. I don't think. All right, yeah. I'll just what, do you, what do you mean? I, you're thinking I, that she gave him a hand job or a blow job to get the drop, get the ride, or what? It's likely that she was asked to, whether or not she stood up to well, him. That's yeah. unseen, but it's likely that she was asked. To. Thinker, you're saying she's a deep thinker. I don't. No, think she is she's that always she's always dropping this philosophy on him and and stuff like that. She. She's not uh, She's not a cheap hooker. Don't you talk about my Rosie like this. I'm not talking about Rosie. I'm talking about Gloria. And yes. Gloria was not that bright, honestly. Her lifelong, look at it this way. Her lifelong dream is to be on Jeopardy. So that's the equivalent of someone saying, oh, I'm just waiting to hit it big as a social media influencer or a, <laughs> or a podcaster. It's like this girl has no future and she's a closet alcoholic. Get her off, <laughs> take her off the pedestal just a little bit. Yeah, that doesn't great, but... just because she's not in the best position in life doesn't mean she's wa- she's handing out blowjobs for rides. Okay, no, her mind isn't in the right position. She doesn't try to get a real job. She just studies the thesaurus all day. She tries to tell Billy these things, and he's not soaking it up. No, Billy's an idiot too. Don't don't get it yeah. twisted. Billy's really dumb. Yeah, Billy's dumb too, but. She's not a whore. I didn't say she was. That's why I asked you, what do you think happened the rest of the night? And I told you, I don't think she does anything. Maybe she, like, took the ride as far as she could uh, and then got out. But Resisted no, him and got yeah, out, went to her sister-in-law's or, or went to her sister's Wherever house, she maybe. went to, there's no reason to believe that she did anything with that driver, who was hideous, by the way. Oh, he was disgusting. Yeah, I'm not making the case that she did, but I'm not saying that it... it it definitely came up in a conversation between the two of them. I'll say that. But between the truck driver and her, he definitely had some well, sexual he had, intentions. Yeah, he had sexual intentions. We could tell by the way he asks her to, yeah, get in, honey. 
Yeah. But she's uh she's too proud and strong of a woman for that. All right. Well, that's fine. If you want to give her that credit, I'm not opposed to it. She probably stood up to him and and went to her mother's house or something. Thank you. Thank you. And if you say one more bad word about my Rosie. (laughs) I won't. I I liked Rosie, too. She was great. great. I mean my Gloria. Yeah, Gloria. Anyway, she rides off with this guy while Billy is dealing with the fire. He goes to stop her, but the Stucky brothers have shown back up. And they, <laughs> what is it? The Stucky brothers. Stu- Stucky brothers, whatever. <laughs> Stucky brothers. They do stucco on the side of your house. Uh, these guys are good. The Sucky Stucky brothers. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Stucky brothers, they show up and knock out Billy and then drag him off to this dock. They threaten him by showing him some Polaroids <laughs> of their other victims. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really dumb killer, yeah, by the way. These mafia hitmen are carrying around a, like a... Uh, Polaroid pictures of the people they murdered? Come not on. Not just Polaroids, but it's in this booklet. Like, they've yeah. got it all saved like Check a baby out. book or something. Here's my diary of all the people I killed, just in case the cops get me. All the evidence against them is what they're carrying around right now, if they were to ever yeah. be pulled over for their crimes. They could literally link them back to every murder they've ever done. But... Despite the fact that they've been chasing Billy this entire movie, they know that he had that $5,000 or the $2,500 and he doesn't have it now. They still don't kill Billy and instead they give him another week to get the money. These guys are the worst gangsters of all time. (laughs) Yeah, they believe in him. They believe in his basketball prowess, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) They're like, come on, Billy. I know you can get the money. I know you have the money. Yeah, we got you. You've been hiding from us and running us and and ducking from us. You're obviously not going to pay us back, but here you go. Here's another chance. Yeah, these are the most toothless hitmen of all time. Also, Actually, also, what gang do they belong to? Because the one guy looks Latino, the other guy looks Turkish, maybe. I don't know. Like, what, what gang are they working for? I was actually just about to say that. I don't think that they're in any kind of gang. I think they're actually just brothers. I think it's just two, two shitty brothers that are trying to hustle this poor guy with their reputation. I don't think they're part of a gang. Yeah, I don't know. I think, I think that they, if they are in a gang, they're not in good graces. No, they're they're pretty pathetic. They're the Fredo Corleones of the gangster world. Yeah. But now with no money, no girlfriend, and his house burned down, Billy is at rock bottom. And he's got to go to Sydney for some help. And Sydney, for his part, is now thriving in business after this big basketball tournament win. <laughs> $2,500 just turns your life yeah. around completely, I just guess. Just driving a convertible now, pulls up. Uh, it's a little concerning to me that he's conducting business at a taco stand, but okay. <laughs> yeah, well, you mentioned that he's a contractor and a roofer and all this stuff, but we never actually see him doing any of those things. He just talks about it. It's almost yeah. like that's all just a scam, too, and a hustle. Yeah, now he showed up in a nice shirt and a nice car and... He goes to a taco stand where he meets a nice high-class white customer who is telling him, yeah, we're going to take this number 88 tile. Yeah, my wife wants to do it, but I want to go around. And I'm like, tiling is not that big of a deal. You don't need to go around the government for taxing stuff for tiling in your house. 
Well, I thought okay. there was a bigger job behind that, but yeah, you're right. If it's yeah. just the tile, and he's like, I don't want Uncle Sam to be involved. Yeah, so he's uh, the guy has all the tiles are already spread out on the taco stand. So why? How did those get there to begin with? And then <clears throat> Sydney uh, agrees to all this and says, "Yeah, just uh, three hundred bucks to get me started." And Billy shows up and crashes his extremely professional scene that he's got there uh, at the taco running, stand. Running at the taco stand, chorizos are ninety nine cents, so I know it's a good spot. He says something like, "Man, get out of here! This is my place of business." As he's just standing there in, in a, like an L.A. bazaar. Yeah, uh, I'm starting to question how legit uh, Sydney actually is in this. Yeah, I think he might have just been fronting on the uh, construction stuff. But this actually, we talked about at the beginning. From here on out, this is where the movie kind of starts to fall apart for me. It's just kind of becomes nonsensical and silly a lot of times. Yeah, and we didn't even mention the double dribbling going on. Uh, yeah, we passed right over the double dribble in the last basketball Because they're in basketball scenes. But there's one point where uh, Sydney clearly takes a couple dribbles, stops, fakes a pass, and then takes a couple more dribbles down to the hoop. And I'm like, that is like a rule that only elementary school kids break at that point, you know, like, or the you gotta, one where you got to call that he goes behind his back twice while running the whole time and then leaps up and passes it. That one to me was clearly. Oh, yeah. It's like, he come on, took man. about four steps. Yeah, he took a billion steps there and then he has to do this fancy Hollywood pass on a clear wide open layup. He passes it anyway. So, yeah, the basketball scenes were just OK. Mm-hmm. yeah not, they were they great. were good they were good when they weren't featuring the that stuff yeah but here at the bazaar where where he's conducting his business it is billy who asks him for help and somehow sydney knows a security guard for the jeopardy parking lot who <laughs> who apparently controls who's allowed onto the show <laughs> somehow plot hole alert how so, the fuck did a security guard get her onto jeopardy it's like, come on, he's a security guard. He didn't have that much pull. Not only is this security guard have that much pull at the studio, but he is only willing to give this chance to Billy if he can make a half-court hook shot. Yeah. <laughs> this is absurd. I mean, come on, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yes, I'll get yeah. your girlfriend on Jeopardy if you can make this hook shot, but if you don't make it, I get your car. Yeah, again, not a good bet. <laughs> No, a horrible bet for Billy, and Billy yeah. just cannot say no to a bet. This guy is a oh, no. total degenerate when it comes to betting. Complete degenerate, and lucky for him, he gets it and nails the shot, and everybody goes wild, and it's like, it cost this guy nothing. Like, he just had a car, he had a shot to hit to get a car, and all he's got to do is sneak this girl onto the Jeopardy lot. But apparently it's legit because next thing we know, she's on Jeopardy. She snuck right onto the lot and walked right into the show, and they had her name up there on the board ready for everything. Alex Trebek was like, well, if if this random security guard trusts her, I trust her too. Yep. Yeah, and what's up, Alex Trebek? Welcome to the podcast, RIP. What a mm-hmm. legend, man. You got to love Trebek. Oh, yeah, yeah. He did it for a long time. Of all the game shows, Jeopardy is my favorite because it makes you smarter you know, when you play the game. Yeah, it's a fun show, too, because you, it's interactive. Like, you're trying to answer the questions as they go. And for the record, I'm pretty sure I would 
own you at Jeopardy if we were to compete. Well, that's ridiculous. You're you're obviously off your rocker. <laughs> I think this is one we might be able to prove even long distance. So you better be careful what you say. Yeah, we can do a Jeopardy challenge, and I will fucking crush you. Yeah, all right. Well. I am full. I'm full of so much useless knowledge. I am like I am Rosie Perez in a white man's body. Yeah. Well, the problem with knowledge is you have to be able to remember the things that you learn and i don't think that you can so that's why i would i would own you at jeopardy no that's where you're wrong is because i remember things that i enjoy reading or doing i don't remember uh pointless bullshit i keep my mind free of the junk and clutter you have too much you have too much clutter in your brain oh my brain's cluttered that's it This is happening. I'm gonna challenge yeah. you right now. Jeopardy, throw down. Yeah, that's fine. You're on, and you're you're fucked too because so, you, I have so much pointless, useless knowledge. You better hope it doesn't get to the Lord of the Rings. The Rancid Taco Olympics. We're gonna start with bison hard eating. Then we're gonna <laughs> then we're gonna box and wrestle, and then we're gonna sing and dance. Wow, well, we then already we're gonna play Jeopardy. We already know you're too weak to eat a bison heart. No, you're the one eating the heart. You're the one bragging about beating people up and eating bison hearts. If it's an Olympic, you have to eat the heart, too. No, I'll be just the judge for that one. All I got to do is take one bite and I win. I'm the committee. Yeah, you have to eat. Yeah, well, we we agreed to, was it one bite? No, this is an Olympic match. And if you're in the match, you have to eat the bison heart as well. I'm not eating the bison heart, but I will play you. So I win that one. No, you don't win anything. And you wouldn't win Jeopardy either. Oh, I would. But Gloria does dominate at Jeopardy. She misses the first question really, really hard. She doesn't know the NBA's all-time leading rebounder, and she instead says it's Babe Ruth. <laughs> yeah, she definitely doesn't know sports. Why would they even throw that in there? Like, we all knew she was going to win. <clears throat> they didn't need that drama of her missing one question. Yeah, I don't know. I guess it it adds some mild suspense, but not much because – we know foods to start with the letter Q are in there, and she's already expressed how many of those she knows and a couple of the Bible thing. And so, yeah, we know she's going to win. Little backstage note, when she says Mount Suvius and they have to go to the judges to prove if she was right or not, that was off the script. She actually misspoke there, and Alex Trebek took it in stride and asked the judges, and they kept it in the film. Oh, that's cool, because it's yeah. Mount Vesuvius, right? Yeah, it's Vesuvius, not yeah. Suvius, and she didn't know that. She actually wanted to reshoot the scene, but the director wouldn't let her. Nice. And, and they left it in there. Pretty cool, huh? Nice job, Alex Trebek, uh, being on your feet there. Yeah, way to improv. Yep. But she does win Jeopardy, but she's still kind of pissed at Billy. And so Billy makes his way backstage with a guitar, and he tries to woo her. With the song, he uses the, the previous argument that they'd had about the water and carrying the water to win her back, and she just falls right into it, man. Come on, oh, Gloria. Dude. Show well, some backbone. You got a guitar. I mean, he's wooing her with a guitar. You know, <clears throat> I don't want to. I don't want to regale all my great stories of wooing women with guitars, but it works. Yeah, women do like a guy that can play guitar. I'll yeah. admit that. Even people that aren't really musically inclined, it's just sexy. There's something sexy about a guy that plays the guitar. Oh, yeah, and it's great because, you know, we now are like, oh, they're back together. She's making all this money. It's going to be good. Here we go. Now, finally, we're going to get that happy ending. Yep. 
And before we get to the happy ending, we got another pretty classy and sexy sex scene. Oh, yeah. Don't want to skip over those because I know no one else is. Oh, hell no. But Gloria, just with the bad choices here, she shouldn't have taken him back. And she certainly shouldn't give him half of the money, the prize money from Jeopardy. She doesn't give him half. She gives him $2,000. Oh, whatever. She shouldn't have given him anything. Knowing what this guy does with money, but she says she it was a him. it was a test, Billy. Sometimes you win, and sometimes you when you really win, you really lose. And sometimes when you tie, you really win and lose. Or sometimes when you lose, you really win. Yeah, more drunken nonsense from <laughs> Gloria. <laughs> Yet again, I think that was the whole point of the the alcoholism. Angle. No, because he don't. You, it, it's all coming up. It's gonna come full circle because he's gonna win and lose. Yeah, I mean he is gonna win and lose, but they just. All right, yeah. What? See, you're just gonna defend Gloria endlessly because you think the actress is hot. Because I love her. All right. Uh, I mean, sorry, I didn't mean to say that. Out. You because, love her more than more than Billy loves her. I'll say that. Listen, I can't think partially when it comes to Rosie Perez. All right, I'll give it's fair enough. I'll let love just run its course here. I'll fucking fight you to the death right now because you say one more bad word about Rosie Perez. No, it's a great choice by Rosie to Thank take you. back Billy, Thank you. Dead, deadbeat Billy, and mm-hmm. it's a great choice of hers to give him a portion of her prize money as well. Thank you. But what's Billy going to do with that prize money? Well, well obviously he's going to get a job and go work uh, and get a hard-working, well-paying job. Absolutely. Billy is going to get a job, but where's it going to be? Well, we can discover that after the break. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Skyler from the Rancid Taco Podcast, and I'd like to invite you to send us an email at rancidtacopodcast at gmail.com or check out our Twitter handle at rancidmovie. And if you've been listening to us for this long, there's one thing you're certain of by now, and that's that we don't know dick about anything that we're doing. Please feel free to enlighten us. Send us some feedback. Tag us in an article that proves all of our points wrong. At this point, we don't care. Just show us you're listening. We want to know if you're out there. Please say hello to us. Ask us how our day is going. Anything, really. So now it's all looking good for everybody involved. Billy and and Gloria have their money. Sydney and his wife are doing great too, right? Mm-hmm. Nope. And instead, Sydney comes home to discover that he has been robbed and his family have been robbed from with everything that they own, including the baby's crib. Yeah. And this is a pretty good. I thought Tyra Farrell gave a good performance in this scene, too. This was her biggest scene where she was allowed to show the most. And they kept focusing on the other people in the complex where they lived. And she was yelling at them like, I know one of you saw something or one of you had to have seen something. Why were they focusing on that so much? What were they trying to say? Well, they were trying to say that the area that they lived in was bad. It was a bad spot. Like, 
she knows that somebody saw something and no one's saying stuff. So they're trying to get out of there. They've we've already we skipped over it, but they're trying to buy a new house in a different area. And she wants to get out of this area that they live in and buy a real house. Yeah, that was what she said when the two women were in the kitchen. She brought up the fact that they had to get out of that that neighborhood they were living in as a contrast to the the money problems that Gloria and Billy were having. Yeah, that's her main drive as her character is to get get her family out of this rundown area that she's in and get them to a better spot. It would have been easier to sympathize with the family here if Sydney wasn't such a kind of a scummy guy. If you know, Sydney backstabbed Billy before and he's a, a hustler himself, so it's hard to feel sorry for Sydney like, man, these guys really deserve to get out of this neighborhood. Sydney kind of fits right in in the neighborhood, honestly. If they're all well, hustlers and scammers. But he's a hustler on a different level. Like he he's he's doing things for his family. So you have to kind of respect the fact that he's trying to make money for his family and get them out of there and you know, it's it's a it's a harder task for a black man, which I think is the point, like to get out of where they're living and to to be in an area where it's it's safer. You know, it's a, it's a different it's a different ladder he's got to climb. So now it's Sydney who is the desperate one, as opposed to Billy from before. And he comes to Billy asking for the opportunity to make some more money. He knows about one more basketball tournament. And this one features the two legends that we mentioned at the beginning. I can't believe I didn't write down their names, but it's the two guys that the, the uh, musicians were talking about. Duck and the King. Duck and the King. And and Eddie owes him a favor too. That's important to know because he got he's the one that pretty much hooked it up that got um, Gloria on Jeopardy. Yeah, Billy owes Sydney a favor because of that. It, the biggest Sydney tragedy. The biggest tragedy is that Gloria doesn't know any of this. She doesn't know what Billy did to get her on to Jeopardy. Yeah, and that could have very easily been explained by either one of them here. But instead, they don't explain to Gloria, because Gloria's with them. They don't explain to her why they need to play in this basketball game and why it's his duty to help Sydney. Instead, they just say, we guarantee you that we're going to win. And so she can't comprehend the reason why they have to play, and it leads to her leaving Billy because yeah. she can't stop gambling. That's the biggest, that's the saddest part of the movie because if she knows that he was doing this originally for her and he has to repay this favor because this is what got her on a Jeopardy, and she's bound to go on and win more money on Jeopardy. So it's just like, man, poor Billy. That's true. She could have gone on to another round. She's definitely going to go on to another round and win more money. So all he had to do was just explain it to her. And if she's a reasonable person, she would accept it, let him play, and, and go on with their lives. But they just have such a lack of communication in this scene. And yeah. we'll come to find out when she leaves, Billy never sees her again. Yeah. It, that's what makes it a tragedy when we mentioned at the beginning. You can see it coming the whole time, Billy's got this gambling problem. She's attached to him making money and leaves him when he doesn't make it. And you know it's going to end that way, and it does. Yeah, and she basically comes up and gives him the ultimatum of, like, if you play this game with my money that I gave you to go buy a suit and get a job, then we're done. And he doesn't. he's trying to explain it to her, and 
<clears throat> she's obviously not on board, but he explains it. And then she says, I love you, Billy. Goodbye. And kisses him and leaves. And Billy thinks it's just goodbye. I'll see you later. But it's not. It's goodbye. I'm done. Well, on the bright side, though, even though we don't see them reunite in this film, based off what we've seen, you know, there's the goodbye kiss, which was very affectionate. And the fact that she changes her emotions on a dime when it comes to Billy. I'm going to say that I think she probably takes him back post credits in this well, movie. That's a that's a that's an interesting theory. And there's plenty of stuff to support that she would. But he says stuff later to the fact of like, this is different. I don't think she's coming back. Yeah. Well, Billy's not the brightest either. So he could be wrong about that. Yeah. If, he, if he tries, I think he can get her back. Yeah, I think if he puts a good effort for it, just break the guitar out again, Billy. Yeah, but we never do see that. Instead, what we see is Billy going to play one more time with Sydney as his partner. Against the legends. Yeah, the two legends. And so we get yet another basketball montage. They slow down a lot of shots for this one. It's basically just a bunch of fancy passes that lead to layups most of the time. There's very few outside shots. Nobody and, ever guards the backcourt cut. No, never. No, they're playing half-court basketball, yet they just two get a ton two. of easy layups. Yeah, it is two-on-two, two, so that makes sense. Like, there's nobody defending you, but, yeah, it's just a lot of, uh, oh, I'm going, I'm stepping outside. No, I'm going inside, and now I'm wide open for a layup. And also during the montage, they keep showing these two seedy-looking gangster types that are, keep licking their fingers and counting money. So they don't say that they're betting on the game, but it's obvious that these two guys are betting on the game. Yeah, people people are betting on the game outside of them, yeah. The gangster guys was just so corny. It's unnecessary. Yeah. And it happened in almost every scene where it was like people start throwing money down for who's going to win, who's not, who's not going to win. But they do eventually win this this game or this tournament on an alley-oop pass from Sydney to Billy and Billy slams it home. So before when he couldn't dunk, I guess this is the big redemptive moment for Billy. He now dunks. But you can tell if you watch from the moment his feet leave the ground to when the rim appears, this is an eight-foot rim that he's dunking on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he gets way too high and then jumps way too high over. And it's just kind of like uh, if it was that easy for him, he could have dunked at any point. Yeah, 100% they lowered the rim for this one. So white men can jump on eight-foot rims. Interesting story here, though. Backstage story. There are disputing versions of events as to this. Apparently, there was a real bet between Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson as to whether or not Woody could dunk a basketball, and they bet like five grand on it. Wesley Snipes' version of events is that they lowered the rim and then whenever his back was turned. So Woody dunked it, but Wesley didn't pay him because he later dunked it and said it wasn't regulation, and they all fessed up to it. Woody's Woody's version of events is that he dunked it home, and Wesley Snipes paid him, and he won the bet. Really? Yeah, so they have different versions of events there. I'm not sure which one is real, but I'm tending to believe Wesley Snipes, actually. Yeah, no, I don't believe that uh, Woody Harrelson can dunk. Not on a 10-foot rim. I don't think nah, so. Nah, yeah. I mean, he might be taller. I don't know how tall Woody Harrelson is. I mean, I don't think Wesley Snipes would make the bet if he didn't think that he could put it down. I wouldn't think so. 
Uh, but I, I don't believe that Woody Harrelson is inept at basketball. I think he can play, but I just don't I don't know if he could jump that high. Yeah, it's hard to dunk, man. It's tough to dunk. Yeah, do, I got to Swayze this up and see Woody Harrelson. How tall is Woody Harrelson? Yeah, Patrick Swayze, how tall is Woody Harrelson? Son is how tall? 5'10". Whoa. Wow. There's no way he's dunking. That's, that's what it says here, but these are often off. Well, they would be taller, though, not shorter, wouldn't they? Uh, you never know. You never know. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like, uh, Woody Harrelson, if he's 5'10", he might have been able to dunk. 5'10's not very tall. Yeah, 5'10 is tall enough to dunk, though. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's questionable. Yeah, well, uh, we'll never know now because I think he's too old to dunk now. Well, now he's he can't dunk for sure now. But here in the movie, he does dunk, and they win the game on that big dunk. So, good job. You know, you lost your girlfriend, but at least you won the game and you dunked it. Well, we don't know yet that he lost his girlfriend, but we can we can assume. And then they go back, and they've won the money. They've won everything. And they're in the. He goes back to the hotel room, and Gloria's gone, and nobody's in there. And he's in there with with Wesley, and he he says he brings back the, the thing that she says is sometimes when you win you lose, sometimes when you lose you win. So sometimes when you lose you tie. Yeah, she said. Yeah. That. So it's it's the idea of like he won the game, he did everything, he doubled their money and got and did everything right, but he still lost. Yeah. Yeah, so she is gone now permanently. And the Stucci, what, what, what do we call them? The Stucci? Stucci brothers? The, yeah, the Stucci Fuck, brothers. Fuck, I can't remember now. <laughs> the Stucky brothers. Not the Stucky brothers. <laughs> <laughs> the Stucky brothers show up one more time. And here's where they prove that they are the most toothless gangsters of all time. <laughs> <laughs> they decide not to kill Billy, and instead they ask him to pose for a picture of him laying well, dead. So he pays them. Picture. He pays them the, their money, and then they get him to fake a photo dead laying on a mattress or something so they can add it to their portfolio of people they've killed. And they're like, yeah, the Stooky boys are back in business. And, and so that, like, that's yeah, why yeah. they're comfortable carrying around this portfolio of kills. It's all fake. They're all, yeah, all those people are still alive. They haven't actually committed a crime. Yeah, yeah. These guys are the softest gangsters ever. Yeah, they're just con men. I don't think they're gangsters at all. They don't even want to hurt Billy, let alone kill him. Yeah, I w- if I was Billy, I would have never paid him. So the gangster storyline fizzles out spectacularly. And the alcoholism storyline fizzles out as well. Never even comes into play. Yeah, never came into play. All we have left now are Billy and Sydney walking off into the sunset and giving each other a hard time as they have much of the movie trash talking back and forth. And they go to play another game. Now Woody wants to bet $20 on the game. They he's talk out, about yeah. Jimi Hendrix again and they push he, each other. Like we know he's out of money cause he just gave it all to the gangsters. <laughs> yeah. But he wants to get back on his feet. He knows he's going to, he's going to guarantee that he can dunk it again. So it doesn't oh, matter. Yeah. Yeah. So you're led to believe that this relationship's going to continue into the future. And in fact, there is talk that they might do a sequel to this movie with the same two actors. No. There is talk that they might. Who talks that? Wesley Snipes said, if Woody is in, I'm in. 
That was the quote. I heard that they're gonna do a sequel, but it's gonna be a new new cast. So new I actors. Heard it, yeah, I heard it's gonna be uh, a white rapper uh, by the name of. Oh shit. yeah, I read that too. Jack actually. Jack something or. Well, which would be better, a new cast or, or a sequel with the old cast? Well, you can't do a sequel with the old cast. I mean, you could have the old cast in it, but there's nobody believing that Woody can dunk at this point. No, but he might. He just might not dunk. Maybe there'll be coaches for two younger guys. Yeah, that would make sense. But you know, it's still it's still a cash grab. Oh, it would it would be a cash grab, and it would work because I would see it. As well. Oh yeah, I'd watch it for sure. Well, that does do it for the movie. White men can't jump. Uh, there's actually quite a few favorite lines I had in this one. There was great dialogue. In this oh, movie. there was really good dialogue, but I didn't write it all down. I only wrote like two down. Yeah, well, then I'll let you go first since you don't have as many. All right. So at the beginning when when Woody is shooting his shots and he says he's he must be lucky today, he says, this is the luck of the Irish, but I, I'm not even Irish, so you explain that. And then I don't hustle with people who are dishonest. He says that later, and that's the that's the completion of the lines I wrote down. Though there were more, and when I looked back, I was like, "Why didn't I write down more of these lines? They're, they're really good ones." Oh, there's so many good ones. I I had to pause several times to write down a line or two that I liked. Well, you you give it to us. Some of the ones I had here is it's hard work making you look so bad, and Wesley or not what we. We've devolved into calling him Wesley. Sydney. Yeah. Sydney says that multiple times, and that's mm-hmm. just a good trash talk. I like that. <clears throat> One of the other guys says, my mama ain't no astronaut. Like, that's a bad thing. I don't know why he says it's so bad to be an astronaut. But, but he, he yeah. cannot stand for his mama being called an astronaut. Yeah. There is, get your tired butt up here, Gretzky. Yeah, he says... What, like play basketball? And he's like, no, play hockey. Come on, Gretzky. Here's another one where he says, Troubadour sounds like a dog or something. <laughs> no, that's a Labrador. <laughs> then one that Woody says is, let's gather up all these bricks and build a homeless shelter so your mother has a place to live. <laughs> that's when the other guys are missing all their shots. I love That's that top-notch mother humor right there. That is. And then... One of my favorites is when Sydney says, you can't behind the back pass. You have a hard enough time passing gas. <laughs> <laughs> so I was thinking about it like Billy, like struggling to fart because he can't even pass gas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then the last one I wrote down here is from Gloria. When she says with a straight face, it is my destiny to perform magnificently on that show talking about jeopardy <laughs> and she's not wrong we didn't even mention the Je- her jeopardy performance hardly but she she nails them all she gets them all right oh she does nail she does nail it on jeopardy but it wasn't her destiny billy had to lube up a security guard to, to get yeah. her on that show so there were strings pulled to get her there hey if i'd known it was so easy i'd have put myself on jeopardy years ago but it's one thing for it to be your destiny to be on the show, but it's another to, to say, I'm going to perform magnificently. <laughs> so that was, just, I could have written down another 10 lines probably. There were so many good ones. Fools will start with the letter Q, Billy. I'd have to say this is my favorite basketball movie there is. I think. Ooh, it, it could be. It could be on mine. I'm trying to think if there's a better basketball movie, but 
maybe uh, Basketball Diaries or something like that. But the one I always hmm. liked was Eddie with Whoopi Goldberg. That was a good one. Yeah, where she was the coach of the Knicks. Yeah, no, this is a good basketball movie for sure. Space Jam is another one too. A well, one. Space Jam, yeah. But how good of a basketball movie and how good of a movie in general is this? How many rancid tacos do we have for white men? <clears throat> well, it is a rewatchable movie for sure. It's a good movie. It's a feel-good movie that's got a lot of fun stuff going on in it. But we found a lot of problems with it, I think. Like, the double dribbles bothered me the most, I think. <laughs> you, you just can't double dribble on a basketball court and get away with it. And they do multiple times. And in general, like, the basketball play is is good because it's all in slow-mo. So it makes it feel like it's all much more epic than it actually is. Because most of the time they're just doing layups, like you said. But I like the way that they do that. They don't make it, they don't try to over punctuate uh, the skill set of the basketball part of it. I just, I just like the movie. I like, I like the, the fun that it brings. I like the story. And in, in, in this sense, it's a tragedy. Like you say, he doesn't get the girl in the end. He ends up having to walk away without the girl and he loses it all because he's an idiot. And, and then you add in Rosie Perez being just sexy as hell. Uh, I got to give it a 14 out of 20 rancid tacos. That's a good score there. That's a very good score there. And well explained too, because I'm with you, man. The basketball scenes were whatever. They could have been, they could have elevated this into a, <laughs> start over start over not only have uh, did i hear that yawn i've heard the last like six yawns too but you the haven't way. heard any I've yawns every single you one have not go. heard any yawns. that's the first time i've yawned yeah that's the first time i've yawned like fucking rip van winkle this entire well, time <laughs> maybe if you weren't boring me with this shit <laughs> i gave you rosie i gave you woody <laughs> what do you want man yeah, it's not your fault. I'm I'm just projecting. Just a yawny fuck. I'm just a yawny fuck. Yep. I had an energy drink like three hours ago. Uh, you're crashing. That's what it is. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I do agree with you. The basketball scenes, if they had been better, could have elevated this to a great movie. But they were just okay. And they didn't really impress me. But the rest of the movie carried it pretty well. The story with the girlfriend and... You know, all the, the side hustling, all that stuff. I enjoyed that. And it's a very easy watch. It's a quick two hours when you watch this movie. Yeah, for sure. And I love the acting. It's not, you know, it's not Marlon Brando that you're seeing. It's something else. But it's fun to watch and it's enjoyable the whole time. I like the trash talk. I loved uh, Rosie just like you did. I thought she did a great job. And I settled on a 13 out of 20 for this movie. And it's all for the same mm -hmm. reasons. Not a great movie, but definitely rewatchable, and I would recommend it to anybody. I liked it a lot. Yeah, and that's a good score to give it because it uh, it does it it entertains you the whole time, and it never um, it doesn't try to get over any over romantic. It doesn't try to get over entertaining. It doesn't try to get over uh, basketball focused. It's it balances itself really well. Yeah, it's just easy. It's a fun and easy movie. It did get a little sloppy at the end, but yeah, yeah, I won't hold that against stuff. them. It was it was only things that made me chuckle, not things that made me think I disliked the movie. 
Yeah, and to be fair, if you put this movie on around bedtime, you know, I, I compared this to like a, a movie you watch when you go to sleep. You're not making it to the end anyway. You're, you're falling asleep before that. Yeah, you don't have to pay that much attention. Yeah, the first 20, 30 minutes of this movie, you'll you'll get what you want from it. And it's yeah, good. yeah. I like that. Yep. So a fun movie, and Woody, we'll see you next time. Not sure if we'll ever get another Rosie Perez movie, though. Oh, man. If we don't, we're going to be the losers here because, man, that woman is beautiful. Well, that'll have to be up to you because I've never seen her in anything else. All right. I'm picking a Rosie Perez movie. Well, that's a good segue because you've got the pick next week. What are we reviewing next? Oh, well, this one I wanted to do something that I thought you might like. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. And it, it features one of your favorite actors, Carl Malden. Oh, all right. Yeah. And it's called One-Eyed Jacks. One-Eyed Jack with Marlon Brando, too, huh? Of course, Marlon Brando. Marlon Brando. (laughs) Marlon Brando is... uh, uh, Also, it's the only movie that Marlon Brando ever directed, which is uh, he wasted so much money from the company that they never let him do any directing again. (laughs) This is a Western, too, right? It's a Western. It's like a psychological Western, sort of. It's a really good film, I think. And it's pretty popular in that genre of stuff. But it's, yeah, it features uh, Marlon Brando and Carl Malden. And, and uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a doozy. It's a fun ride. So. so were those two best friends in real life? Well, they worked at the actor's studio together. So, yeah, I think that they were really good friends. Pretty close buddies. Because to be in at least three movies is co-leads together that's that's all that's like matt damon ben affleck level yeah. Of friendship yeah and you know like the biggest one you know they got streetcar they got uh, on the waterfront and then this one was much later when when brando had control of everything and i'm sure he hired carl malden because he likes him well i won't say anything bad about the pick until i watch the movie because i loved streetcar named desire and i'm totally ready to get into some more not only Brando, but some some what's his name, Carl Malden. Carl Malden, yeah, he really yeah. shines in this one too. Yeah, I love that guy, man. So good, good pick. I hope I can watch it without paying ten dollars to see it. But well, you're gonna have to watch it and pay attention to Carl Malden's nose because that's the most prominent thing. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to miss that big ball. Hard to nose. miss that nose, but yeah, it's a, it's it's a good movie and it's uh it's fun because I we this is the first western I think we've done. So it is. And you told me that it featured an actor I liked better than Defoe. So the only thing I was thinking was our boy Joe King, you know? And I was like, No, yeah, no. I was like, What are we doing? Gladiator signs? What are we yeah, doing? I'm here? pretty sure you don't actually like Carl Malden better than uh, um, no, I Will don't. Defoe. But I just wanted to throw you off the scent, you know, the scent you, of the trail. You effectively did that. But I am looking forward to it either way. So one eyed Jack's coming up soon. All right. And so, with that, I think we should say, hail to your mother. Hail to your mother. We should end with a mother joke. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Are we going to steal one of theirs? Because I wasn't prepared for this. No, I got got my own mother joke I could give you. So you came with this. All right. Yeah, naturally. What you got? Yeah, your, your mother is so big that when, on day eight, when God said, let there be light, he told her to move her ass out the way. Uh, 
your your mother is so big. Her blood type is ragu. Oh, yeah, that's a classic. That's a classic. Uh, they they use one similar to that in the movie when he said yeah. she broke her leg and gravy poured out. Or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, uh, good old money uh, jokes, man. Uh, yeah, we got to bring those back. Bring them back, but hail them also. Yeah, and with that, thank you everybody for listening. And One-Eyed Jacks next week. Bye-bye, y'all. Billy, you're so stupid. It's fools to start with a letter Q, Billy. Rotten tomatoes when you've got the rancid tacos. This podcast is brought to you by West Virginia Pepperoni Rolls.